0: This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. I was all ready to talk to you about um, the language of the way because the way does have it, its own language today, but I got kind of uh, redirected yesterday. And um, I want us to take a look at the 23rd Psalm, if we could put the whole Psalm up on the screen. We've visited this Psalm before, a few months back. I'm sure everybody has read it, everybody's heard it, pretty familiar with it. But there's some things that relate uh, pretty directly to some of us right now, I think, that makes it, Necessary for us to visit with it again. Um, I'd like for us really to read this together, so why don't I read a line and then you all repeat that line out loud after me, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want us to take a look at this psalm in three sections today. So, if we can put the first section up there for consideration. Um, If we're going to think about, talk about, give consideration to life in general, and especially as life, uh, uh, as. If we're going to consider life as sons and daughters in the kingdom, we need to always know, we need to always keep in the forefront of our thinking that there's a promise that goes before us. There is a promise that's always out there before we ever take a step. God is always out in front. God is always preparing the way before we get to the way. God has always done some work before we get to the place that he's called us to, to consider any work that he might have for us to do. He's already done some work. He's already been ahead of us. In Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was there first. God was doing God work first. God was preparing the way before he ever assembled a human being to live on the earth that he was creating, he was already doing God work, work that actually no man would ever be able to do. That's why we call it God work. And God looked at things and saw that things were dark and chaotic and so he spoke And thank you, Robert, for reminding us today of the power of the Word. The Word goes out from the mouth of the Father and accomplishes what's in the heart of the Father. If you wonder where Jesus, the second person in the Trinity, was during creation, if you wonder whether He was there, the answer is absolutely, because He's always been there. The Word... As he said in John 1, in the beginning, the Word was there. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And everything that was made was made by him. The Word that went out from the mouth of the Father, out of the heart of the Father, to do the work of the Father. When Jesus showed up on the earth and said, I'm here to accomplish the will of the Father. That didn't start right then. That had been going on all the way back to the beginning. That Jesus was involved in everything. Doing God work. He said, let there be light. And Jesus went into a dark situation and it lit up because that's what Jesus does. Let that be an encouragement to somebody here who feels like you're in a dark situation. Invite Jesus, again, like Doyle's prayer for his son, his instruction to his son. Just say, help me, Jesus. One of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, prayer is only three words long. Just say, help me, Jesus. Because when he steps into a situation that's encompassed by darkness, light arrives and the lights there for two reasons I don't know if you've ever considered because I know we we all would embrace the truth that light comes to shine on what is good see it was dark and chaotic and scary God said, let there be light and the word goes forth and light shines on the darkness and the scariness and all of a sudden, the work of God becomes evident and apparent as it is put together from the hand and the mouth and the heart of God and it's beautiful and it's good and it's perfect. And the light reveals all of that. If God had done a work in the dark and had never shown the light on it, we wouldn't even know it was good because we couldn't see it. But... There's part B to that, and that is that the light also goes forth to illuminate what is bad so that we can see it and understand that it's bad, understand that it's our enemy, understand that it's destructive, understand that we must take it seriously and that we must approach it by the Spirit and using the Word of God as our weapon. So the light illuminates the good and the bad. God doing God work on our behalf before He ever places us in the middle of the situation. So, we go back over to Psalm 23. And before there's any discussion about any dark valleys, before there's any conversation about any enemies, about any giants, about any... Of fearsome opponents, there is this the promise, the truth, God doing God work. The Lord is my shepherd. Before there is any idea that there's something that I lack or that I need or that is gonna be necessary for my spiritual survival, he says, I shall not want. The promise, the hope, the light shines and what does he do for us he makes us to lie down in green pastures he 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 causes his tremendous matchless unexplainable peace peace to descend in our lives to fill us up to cover us over Yeah, stuff is coming. Stuff is here. There are dark valleys. There are formidable enemies that are going to challenge us. But we need to know that he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. It's like what he's saying to us is, listen, before you get to this situation I want to help you know. I want to help you understand that I'm here. I'm here when brokenness happens down here. I'm telling you up front and beforehand that I am here to restore you when restoration becomes what you need. He's, he, I, I just love the fact that he promises it in advance. The Bible is full of promises about what God will do, about what He's going to be available to do, about His powerful works, about stuff that He's able to do that nobody else is able to do. And He promises it to us From the time we're born, before we ever face the first obstacle, before we ever face the first challenge, before sin and the lies of the deceiver ever come to us. He tells us, I am your shepherd. You don't have to lack. You don't have to want. I'm here that even when times are tough, I'm going to lead you into green pastures where you're going to find peace and rest. I'm going to take you by still waters where you're going to find the restoration for your soul that you so desperately need. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now this business of being led in the paths of righteousness is where all of a sudden we're presented with a choice. You know, you're aware that once the truth has been given to you, that you're accountable for that truth, right? Uh, I used to have to sit in church services when I was a kid and a teenager, and when I say have to, I mean I had to because my parents did not give us any choice. If you stayed home, if they were having church and you stayed home, it was because you were too sick to move. My brother and I, as we often did, were doing something life threatening one day. We're in the basement of the cellar. It wasn't really a basement, it was a cellar of the house. A wood frame house with wood all above us and on both sides. And we were lighting milk jugs on fire and holding them on sticks with the burning plastic dripping. And we were throwing it all over the place and having ourselves a good time. And my brother has a milk jug on fire on the end of a stick flames going up and dripping down. You know, it was really cool how it would drip and there would be burning as it dripped. And he looked at me and said, I'm about to throw this on you. And I said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. I think I'm going to throw this on you just to see what it looks like when burning plastic lands on skin. And I said, yeah, okay. Um, he starts toward me. So rather than doing what I should have done, which was to turn around and run like crazy because he was crazy, and I knew that already. I went towards him and kicked at it, and when I did, he just pitched it at me, and it landed on my arm right here, and it was still burning, and blisters are rising as I'm looking at it, and I started screaming and took off running outside and was running circles around the house, didn't have sense enough to go for the water hose, just running circles and cussing and screaming. Yes, I have cussed, I confess. I did repent. Funny uh, funny uh, side note to the story, we had lady evangelists, a tag team, that were doing revival at our church, and they were staying at our house, and they were there. My parents were gone, and they heard all this language I'm throwing around as as I'm running around the house. And uh, so when my mom and dad got home and I'm in the bathroom with my arm under cold water because that's the only relief I could get, first thing they wanted to see was not, uh, wanted to say to my parents was not, well, do you think you should take him to the emergency room or, or offer any kind of suggestion for relief? The first thing they had to say to my parents was, that young'un was running circles around the house and cussing like a sailor. You better get him in church. He's on his way to hell. Guess where I was that night? I was in church with blisters on my arm, a wash rag laying on top of it because we went to church when the doors were open. So I have no idea why I just told that whole big long story. But I can tell you this we were in church and we heard the word of God, right? We were pounded with the Word of God. We had it hammered into us. I remember now what I was talking about. There comes a time when you have a choice once you know. You're accountable for what you know. And there were times when I would hear something said in church that my first thought was, man, I wish I would have run out the door. I wish I had gone to the bathroom so that I didn't hear that. Because once I heard it, It was with me, and then I was consumed with guilt if I didn't live by it. And Lord knows I didn't live by it. You're accountable for what you know. So when we're given the word, when we are led, we are offered the opportunity to be led down a path of righteousness. At that point, we have a choice as to whether we want to drop his hand and go our own way, or whether we want to continue to hold his hand and walk that path with him. So, we have the promises. We have the assurances, but we all know what comes next, right? Let's put it up on the screen. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So, we have the promises of God. We have the hope. We have the assurance. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to lead us by still waters. He's going to make a restful place for us to inhabit. He's going to restore us when restoration's what we need. Because what's coming in life is the valley of the shadow of death. And if you notice here, the psalmist turns from using third person to using a direct, he is speaking directly to God. I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's when we enter into that valley that we really need to be able to talk to him personally. To have real, intimate, personal communication. And we have to go into it understanding that sometimes the valley is inescapable. Let me tell you what the valley is actually. You see, it can, it can relate to literal physical death. And I've heard the scripture used in a lot of funerals, in a lot of memorial services, and as it relates to losing a loved one or someone passing away. And it absolutely can mean that. The valley of the shadow of death, literally. But the, sh- the valley of the shadow of death, on, in a broader sense, is the world that we live in. It's the spirit of the world. Because there are two worlds and we have the option about which one we want to live in. There are two kingdoms and we have the choice of which kingdom we want to be a citizen of. There is the kingdom of God where God rules, where God's truth, God's mandate is the governing system of that kingdom. And then there's the kingdom of the world that is ruled by the king, the ruler of the world. He is the prince of darkness. He is Satan. He is the ruler of this dark age. However you want to describe it, you can find a lot of different names in the scripture. But that there is this tremendous contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. When you're discussing anything that has something to do with death, you are talking about the kingdom of the world. Because death is a byproduct of sin. Death is one of the things we have to deal with. Because sin exists in the world. Remember that Adam and Eve were told that if you disobey the one commandment, the one mandate I give you, There are going to be results which include pain and suffering and separation and death. If you're going to talk about death, you're going to have to deal with it inside the context of the kingdom of the world. The valley of the shadow of death is where we live. It's where we get up and walk out. It's what we get up and walk out into every morning. It's the workplace. It's the entertainment world. It's the world that we live in. It's the world of government and politics. It's it's the world. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's a place where all sorts of other gods are exalted above Him. In the kingdom of God, we're told, You shall have no other gods before me. And if you want to look for one element, one principle that will separate out the kingdom of God from the kingdom of the world, it's that in the kingdom of God, there is only one God and there are no gods exalted above him. But in the kingdom of the world, in the valley of the shadow of death, there's all sorts of other gods that are exalted above him. There's the principle of individualism that we spoke about a little bit last week. Individualism is a characteristic of the kingdom of the world. Inside the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as individualism. If you don't believe that, read the Bible. Individualism is what the serpent tricked Eve and Adam with. Be your own person. Believe your own voice. Trust your own ideas. You're powerful. You're smart. You're beautiful. You're intelligent. You have tremendous ideas that in some cases might even be better than God's idea. You actually are in position where you could help God do his job. You shall not, surely, Die, actually, you'll be exalted. You'll be greater, more powerful, more smarter than you've ever been. Individualism. Look to yourself. Trust your own ideas. Be independent. And the truth is, and uh, this will probably be the la- one of the last things I ever say before I die, because I'm going to say it for the rest of my life. Your best idea is only good enough to kill you. It's only God's ideas that produce life, and hope, and light, and transformation. Only God's idea. And and, and the problem in the world is that we have gotten so full of ourselves that we have left him out or we have at the very least moved him from the top spot of you shall have no other gods before me somewhere down the ladder to the second third or fourth rung kingdom of god has god at its core the kingdom of the world has all sorts of other things not just the devil If you you really want to experience the essence of Satanism, go home and look in your mirror. Because it's you that Satan wants to use to kill you. He doesn't have the power to kill you. He wants to use you to kill you. Because if he can convince you that you're all that, he's got you exactly where he wants you. So we're walking through this valley, but we don't have to fear evil. Why? Because he's with us. As long as we have made the choice to grip his hand, he's with us. And if we've done that, then his rod, his government, his security, his protection, his counsel, they comfort us. But guess what's going to happen? This is one of the most important. If you don't carry anything else away from here today with you, please take this once you have been through a tough experience in life once you have really felt like you've been in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death once you've been attacked and kind of bowled over by something whatever that experience might look like for you and you feel like you've come you're coming out of the other side of it and you're seeing that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel Don't be tricked into believing that it's over and you've got it made because there are enemies waiting on you outside of that experience. Why? Because the enemy's never going to give up in his attempts to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy your purpose. If we don't always have in our consciousness that the enemies are going to be there even after we have survived terrible times, then we're not going to be ready for what's next. So he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Listen, here's here's the hope, here's the promise. Because some of us are still in the middle of a dark spot. Some of us are still dealing right now, right this minute. Some people in this room are in a very dark spot. You feel like your world is sort of encompassed by this fog, this shadow, this darkness, this oppression that's on you for whatever reason. Here's what you need to know. While you're there, while you're in the middle of it, He is preparing a table for you. If, if we try to deal with the situation without any hope for what's coming, without a vision that this is not permanent, this is temporary, without an understanding that God is still going ahead of us, doing God work before we ever get there, then we're going to get bogged down in these moments and they're going to crush us. While we're in the middle of it, He is preparing a table before us and we're going to walk out of the situation and all of a sudden, there are going to be enemies standing there trying, or, or they're ready, they're prepared, they're armed to come after us because we're still feeling weak and vulnerable. And we're still a little bit confused and we're still feeling like we're we're, we're just trying to get over something. And all of a sudden, the, the attacks take on a different form. You say, well, Jeff, what do they look like? They look like grief. They look like fear. They look like confusion. They look like depression. They look like anger or resentment toward a person who might have been involved in the situation when we were in the valley. You see, it's not just that situation specifically that can kill us, but it's the things that come at us post that situation. Once we feel like we've walked out of the valley, we cannot relax in our commitment to do warfare with the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. And we have the chance to walk out of it. And with the enemy standing right there surrounding us, to walk over and sit down at the table that he's prepared he's always going ahead of us. He's always making preparations for us. He's always planning that when we need him the most, he's going to be there if we choose to embrace that he's there. We have to remind ourselves, we have to speak it out loud in the middle of our situations. God I'm not seeing it right now. I'm not feeling it right now. But I know your word tells me that you are preparing a table before me that right in the middle of my enemies I'm going to be able to sit down and eat and relax in your peace, peace that passes understanding. Receive your provision that's going to empower me to do what you have for me on down the road post this situation I'm coming out of table, I mean, why why is it that Psalm 23 is so popular? Why is it that so many people know it? Why is it used so often when people are in desperate situations, in dark situations? Because it contains such beautiful, powerful promises of hope and restoration and fulfillment before, during, and after. That's why we broke this down into three different segments. It's the before, it's the during, it's the after. Listen, everybody in this room has something the Father wants you to do. Some way He wants you to be involved in the kingdom of God. Some work that He is establishing for you to jump into head first. It's like like Robert said when he first started talking. That God's doing a work in the world and He just and, and it's our responsibility to go look for it and get in the middle of it. He has a work for you. He has something for you to do, some productive way for you to give away your time, talent, and treasure to his kingdom. Well, guess what He's doing while you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, while you're living in this world, while you're dealing with all the junk the world brings to us, while you're dealing with difficult circumstances, while you're managing loss and heartache and pain and illness and grief and depression and addiction. Guess what He's doing? He's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies and He is anointing your head with oil so that When you get to that spot and you see his work, you start to understand what your part is in his work. He's already been filling up your cup and anointing your head so that you can do his work with his power as your motivator, as your strength, that you can jump into it without fear, without hesitation. That you can lay down your reliance on all this stuff that the world promises you are going to help you get it right. And ultimately, none of it's going to help you get it right. Money's not going to help you get it right. Fame is not going to help you get it right. Material goods are not going to help you get it right. Relationships with the right people are not what exclusively are going to help you get it right. It's only Him by His power, through His Spirit, anointing your head and filling up your cup that's going to cause you to get it right. So, the work that I'm doing now, the work that many of you are doing now, yeah, we get... we get some preparation every day as we dig into His Word, as we commune and fellowship with Him, as we hear from Him, as we respond in obedience. But it didn't start this morning for me. He was setting the table, filling up my cup, and anointing my head a long time ago when I was when I was saying, I will never walk that path. I will never be a pastor. I will never work in ministry. I will never follow the footsteps of my father and my brother. I've got my own plans. I'm going to do my own thing. Even while I was declaring all those lies, he was setting the table, anointing my head, and filling up my cup, and I did not have a clue. So now, I'm able to tell other people, hey, I know sometimes it gets tough. I know some of you are in a tough spot right now. I know the challenges are there. I know the enemies are screaming at you. You know what? The same guy who wrote this little poem one day was standing out in the middle of a field looking at a giant who said, I am your enemy and I'm the enemy of your God and I'm going to break up your body into little bitty pieces today and I'm going to feed it to the birds. That's a pretty tough spot to be in. That's a pretty dark valley when the dude is probably nine feet tall and has armor and has weapons at it way more than you do. David could have cowered. David could have run. David could have called for somebody to come help me. Somebody do this. So. I need some human support here. I need, some, I need to put, hey, let me reconsider. Let me get that armor from you, King Saul. Now, this is bigger than I thought. The, the, the screams of the enemy are always going to be more formidable and scary than we thought. But you know what that has to do with it? Nothing. Everything is about what God has said, not what the enemy's screaming. The reason he's screaming is because he's trying to drown out the whisper of God who's saying, I'm your shepherd. You don't have to lack. I'm going to help you to find your peace and your rest in green pastures. I'm going to help you to find your sustenance and your refreshment in still waters. I'm the one who's going to restore your soul. When you're walking through the valley of the kingdom of this world, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to guard you and protect you with my government and my protective pastoral hand. I'm going to, all the while all this junk is going on, you know what I'm doing? I'm making a meal for you. I'm preparing a table before you. Even when your enemies are out there screaming, I'm I'm doing something beautiful on your behalf that if you'll just lock onto my hand and keep walking with me through this valley of the kingdom of this world, there are going to be periods of time where I'm going to walk you out. And yes, your enemies are still going to be there. They're still going to be yelling at you and intimidating you and trying to get you to decide on a plan other than mine. But if you'll just keep the grip strong and firm and tight on me I'm going to walk you out of those situations and right in front of your enemies I'm going to sit down with you and we're going to have lunch together I'm going to nourish your soul I'm going to encourage your spirit I'm going to renew your strength I'm going to anoint your head I'm going to fill up your cup and guess what comes next let's pop up the third part of the the psalm here comes the beauty of what happens as we move on as we live on as we make a lifelong commitment to him and his ways and his promises. David stood out in the field and he decided, I'm not listening to any voice but the voice of God and my God has said that he will take care of my enemies for me. And at the end of the day, somebody's flesh was picked off by the birds and it wasn't David's. And we would not be talking about him today if he had turned around and run or asked again for Saul's armor or begged and pleaded for some help or chosen any other path or any other plan except God's. Here's what comes. Surely goodness and mercy. I see no indication here that all life's problems will disappear. I see no indication here that it's going to be smooth sailing the rest of the way. But here's what I do see, that regardless of what the days look like, when I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, when I come out of the valley for a period of time and face enemies that I didn't really know were going to be standing there when I came out, I thought everything was going to get better. Everything was going to chill out and and calm down. I didn't know these enemies were going to be there, but even when I'm facing those enemies, even when a new challenge arises, even when they're screaming and threatening or just whispering and trying to trick and deceive me and throw me off track, goodness and mercy are going to be with me all the days of my life. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's for those who choose to retain the grip, who choose to continue to walk with him. Can you be crushed and killed along the way? Yes, but not if you hold on to his hand. Can you be, can your purpose really be stolen from you and destroyed? Absolutely. I know some people that sadly that happened to them, but not if you continue to hold his hand. Not if you continue to depend only on His voice, His words, His promises, His truth. So the promises have always gone before us. He's always there in the middle of it. You are with me in the valley of the shadow of death. Hey, I know we're living in a world that's pretty messed up. A lot of war A lot of hate, a lot of conflict, a lot of, uh, and you don't have to go outside of our own borders to find any of that, you know, people screaming and hating each other and and a lot of evil that takes on a lot of forms going on in this world. I know it's, it's, it's rough. We need to leave here today reminded, reassured. That there is a kingdom that we can live in even while we're in this world. And that kingdom gives to us light and life and hope and the opportunity for transformation. And it gives us the opportunity to walk with someone whose power is great enough to get us through it and to get us through it victoriously so that we know we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Anytime you're talking about life, you're talking about the kingdom of God. Anytime you're talking about death, you're talking about the kingdom of the world. Don't get tricked by the language. Next week we'll probably come back and talk about the language of the way, the language of the kingdom, what I intended to share with you today. Don't get tricked by language because one of the things the enemy is masterful at is The production of language that sounds right, but it's not. There's all sorts of words and terms and phrases out there that have been purposefully created to make something sound okay, to make it sound like it's not dangerous or harmful, but at its core it's deadly wicked. We're not going to get tricked by that. We're going to continue to listen for his voice because his voice is pure and holy and right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Psalm 23 because it so many times has just offered to us just what we need in the moment. I believe you wanted to share it with us again today because some of us really, really are in a spot where we need it. We need to know that the promise goes ahead of us. The God work is happening before we ever get to the spot. We need to know that you walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. We need to know that when the enemies rise up and attack us and try to hit us in our weak spots... That you have already prepared a table before us, that you are already anointing our heads with oil, and that our cups are being filled up by your Spirit. Thank you that goodness and mercy are walking with us, and that we can dwell in your house forever. I pray you bless your people as they go out from here back into the world. Bless with your peace. Bless with your power to do and be everything you've called and created them to do and be. Bless with your provision that you would meet their needs as they walk in obedience and faithfulness to you. And bless them with your protection from every lie, every trick, every scheme and distraction of the enemy that would try to steal and kill and destroy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.